what if the whole universe was a bit different than you thought it was? What if your very existence, purpose, vocation, your very life in the world needed some adjustment because it's missing the emphasis of a fundamental reality that exists in the world? What if your and my ideas about God, the world, yourself, and redemption needed a kind of tune-up, if you will? I'm not speaking to those of you who are still like figuring Christianity out or unsure or searching whether you believe in God or not or the church or all the stuff that Jesus is or this God that we worship. I'm talking to y'all Christians who are trying to be faithful in this world. Today I'm asking you to be curious about the very foundations of your faith. And it is not to undo it, but to deepen it. And my confession to you is that I had walked with uh, Jesus for a good long while before I realized that I had a deficit in the understanding of who God really is. Because I don't want you just to know God's stats. I want you to enjoy him. Let me begin with a long quotation. There is a book that is such a good book that when InterVarsity, I think they're selling their 70th or 75th year InterVarsity Press, uh, of, uh, um, and so they decided to republish a bunch of books. And this is one of those books. It's called Delighting in the Trinity. It's only about 150 pages, and it'll reshape your world if you let it reshape your heart. So Michael Reeves writes in this, he's a professor at King's College in London or something like that. But he says, what is your Christian faith or your Christian life like? What is the shape of your understanding of the gospel, your faith? In the end, it will depend on what you think God's like. Who God is drives everything else. And he goes on and says, so what is the human problem? Is it merely that we have strayed from a moral code? Or is it worse, that we have strayed from God himself? What is salvation? Is it merely that we're brought back as law-abiding citizens? Or is it something better, that we are brought back as beloved children? What is the Christian life about? Our behavior or something deeper, delighting in God? All of our lives are molded deeply and in the deepest way by what we think of God. Today we're starting a little mini-series. It's the last of several little mini-series that's going on for about a year now around our philosophy of ministry and our practices that we want to be about at Redeemer. Um, the way in particular that, that Redeemer wants to embrace God's Word and God's world. Starting 
Last summer, we explored several aspects of our life together at Redeemer, and we've uh, covered many series of, on Scripture, worship, generosity, mission, and prayer. And now, in this Easter time before uh, the end of May, we're going to talk about community or fellowship, or as the Greeks used to call, koinonia. In the back, now, we have a full-color version of the philosophy of ministry. It was black and white, and the copy here broke, broken, and it was, it was a problem. But it's going to be back there for you on a stool, hopefully, deacons on duty, possibly. Um, and so it's going to be available to you then. If not, just ask around or come up and ask me, and I'll find them. But um, it's, it's got a tree on it that kind of represents the philosophy, those kind of things. But I, um, but we're going to start where, um, where the top of our tree starts, because if we're going to talk about community or anything else, we're going to start with God. See, the God who made us is the God who rescued us, but the God who made us and rescued us is inviting us into communion with Him forever. At the top of the tree reads, we participate in the life of the Trinity, the triune God. We, together, participate in the life of the Trinity that has a life of its own. All Christian fellowship and all community, all human community, is based on this reality of the Trinity. In fact, the universe is based on this entire reality, but that's a different sermon. So we start our mini-series with God, not in some generic form, but as He's revealed in the Scriptures, the triune God, the only God Christians mean when they say the term, when they speak of their God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the problem. Most of us live our lives um, not in a Trinitarian world, but especially Presbyterians, a Binitarian or Unitarian world. A Binitarian, that's two. Presbyterians are the worst at forgetting that the Holy Spirit's actually God um, and that we should, like, worship and enjoy and experience the Holy Spirit. That's our kind of, like, Achilles heel, if you will. Um, but we're, we're working on it. But a lot of us walk around a kind of a Unitarian view where it's just the Father or it's just the Son, and maybe some folks are just the Spirit, but, you know, that's how it works. This is part of my confession earlier. So let's start with talking about what is the Trinity. In our creeds, our, doc, our doctrinal standards, our tradition, we use this language, which is shared across many denominations and theologians and all that stuff. There are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one God. They are the same in substance and equal in power, strength, might, and glory, weight, and the need to worship. There are three persons and one substance. Now, it, it's, it's particularly hard in our day um, 
of our modern minds filled with like questions of identity, identity crises, self-importance, that, that you could be truly yourself and yet be part of another. But don't worry, it's the Trinity. It's been hard for lots of generations for a long time. The problem with preaching on the Trinity is that you're always that close to the heresy mark. Even with my fingers. The Trinity is a mystery. But it's a mystery that has been given to us as a gift. It's a revealed mystery. A mystery that illuminates the entire world and certainly what Christian fellowship is like. It defines the reality of what it means to be a follower of Christ and of being a person. Because God is three persons in one God. But it is the most important mystery that is supposed to be revealed and embraced and explored. The Catholic priest Richard Rohr says, The mystery of the Trinity is the template of all reality. He says, and what we have, and this ties to fellowship as well, and what we have in the Trinitarian God is the perfect balance between union and differentiation, between autonomy and mutuality, identity and community. And that's why we're starting our mini-series on community with the triune God. Now, how is the Trinity revealed to us? I'm going to tell you a little secret. Trinity is a made-up word. There is no place in all of Scripture where the term Trinity is used. Now, that might wig you out a little bit. Let me keep talking. It's a word that the earliest Christians, I think the earliest is Tertullian, I think that's one, maybe 200, something like that, one, I can't remember when he was born or died, but somewhere in that 150 to 220 range. But it was, it was this attempt to try to explain how the Bible reveals, how God reveals through the Bible himself. They were trying to name, not even categorize, just name what this thing is that we see in scriptures. And the Bible reveals itself and reveals the Trinity in a way that it does most things, it's in part of the story. I'm going to say something, and please hear me. I just proclaim my utter orthodoxy. As a believer in the Trinity, I'm a member of good standing in the Presbyterian Church in America. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. God is not explained in the Scripture. He's shown. And He's shown as three in one. That's why I had to use four passages today in the scripture this morning. Um, though I'm, I, I forgot to take one passage off on Thursday when I decided not to use it. So you have a freebie on the Holy Spirit and John in your bulletin. So, you know, just good on you. The first was the Shema. When I talked with the kids and you mouthed yourselves, it's the quintessential verse of the Jewish tradition learned since, since as soon as they could speak. The Lord your God is one. So we know that there is one. And then we move into the second verse, which um, is the last 
of your passages this morning. It's one of the quintessential verses in the Christian uh, scriptures, essential to our identity and our mission in the world. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But y'all, I could have started in Genesis 1 with these passages. In the beginning, God was there, and His Spirit, it says, hovered over the chaos. It's so strange and wonderful. And then, and this is really in the Bible, y'all, well before anyone even considered a development of a doctrine or even calling the Trinity the Trinity, the Scriptures say, in that very first chapter, let us make man in our own image. So we got plurality and unity right off the bat. That's amazing. Now, please hear me. This is not a developed Trinitarian idea. This is how the story is unfolding. But from the first pages, there's plurality and oneness. See, the Bible reads like a great novel or watches like a great movie. You come to realize the story or the characters as the story unfolds. What a terrible movie it would be as if as soon as you saw a character, it said, this is the dad, this is the son, she is the heroine, that's the villain, this is their house. It would be terrible. No great story simply does that kind of thing. What happens usually is there's some moment in the story where someone turns and says, Dad, or Dad. And even better, they don't even do that. You just see how they interact, and you start to realize what's going on. Again, this is why I use several texts. Now, let me go back to Shema. The Shema, the Deuteronomy passage that we, you all learned fluently in Hebrew. This is the quintessential passage about the oneness of God. And in it, the capital L-O-R-D, Lord, is Adonai, Yahweh. That is singular. But when it says Elohenu, that's plural. Again, I am not saying that Moses has a fully developed understanding of the first, second, and third person of the Trinity. I'm just saying that when God starts to tell this story, he gives them words and ideas about the beauty of who he is. So why, again, am I talking about the Trinity to open up a sermon series on Christian community? Because God is three persons in one God. Personhood is fundamentally communal. God is a community. Three in one, three persons, one God. The reality is the foundation of this world and the foundation of anything we hope to do in Christian community, or be better in Christian community. What I'm trying to do is get us at, um, get us at a bedrock level here that doesn't just um, explain the bedrock of what the Trinity is. There's more ink to spill on that and has been spilled than any of us could do in a lifetime or probably for eternity. But I'm not just talking about the bedrock of who God is. 
but I want it to hit the bedrock in you. We call, and rightly so, the Lord our God, a creator and redeemer, both Father, all Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And most certainly, He, they are. But that is describing the wonderful power and grace that He enacts in the world in creation and redemption. It's about His activity, those titles. But I'm trying to get behind the activity for a minute to the very nature of God that He's revealed to us. To know Him as Trinity, as Father, Son, and Spirit is to know Him as He is and has revealed to us, and not just what He does. It is who He is that makes us the persons in a community that we are. And it is from who He is from which flows all of creation and redemption, and not the least of which is our communal life together. Fred Sanders puts it this way, excuse me, the Trinity is who God is, and without being the Trinity, He would not be God. God minus creation and even redemption is still God, but God minus Father, Son, or Spirit is not God. So when we praise God for being creator and redeemer, and I add, and we should, we are praising Him for what He does, as we should. But behind that, there is a greater glory, His very nature, because there is a true God in three persons behind all His actions in the world. Okay, my last point, which is my main point, which maybe go a little longer. And it may be the point of all Christianity. The Trinity is a community of mutual love that calls us to participate in it. The Trinity is a community of mutual love that calls us to participate in it. Mutual love, you might say affection, reverence, deference. Another identity statement in the scripture is that from John is God is love. And then when he reveals himself as three in one, that means the love is churning about within the Godhead. I want to show you an image. It is called Trinity. It was made by the incredible artist Scott Erickson, who, by the way, follow him, whatever, tweet him, un receive tweets from, I don't know. He's amazing. And, by the way, they're all very um, tattooable. They're amazing. But I want you to look at it. The perfect symmetry of the cups, of the arms and the hands. But also look at the distinction. Each has different garb. If you look closely, one of them has healed scars in his hands. All receiving fully from the other 
and pouring out to the other. It's absolutely beautiful. Another theologian says this, God's very nature is to be, by the way, you can stare at that all day for all you visual learners, you, don't need, you can just check out now, just enjoy, that's an image that will probably do more than hearing from me. God's very nature is to be in dialogue with himself. The Trinity is an eternal movement or flow of openness and receiving, a total giving and accepting, full of love, spilling over into creation and then calling creation back to himself, to the Godhead where there is community. One of the phrases of, of some of the ancient theologians was, this is the divine dance. And the story of the gospel, as he says, you get a calling card, let's go. Fred Sanders says, the boundless life that God lives in himself is complete, inexhaustibly full, and infinitely blessed. The good news of the gospel is that he has opened up the dynamics of his triune life and given us a share in his fellowship. This is what we mean when the top of the tree says we participate in the life of the Trinity, of the triune God. Christian fellowship, by nature, of time and space and geography and language is diverse and distinct. And it's by nature union and communion as one. Distinct persons, one substance. That's not just an analogy from God to Christian community. The mind-blowing reality is that it's not just an analogy but it's actually us participating in that life together. There's a reason that Deuteronomy's passage and then the Matthew passage that I referenced earlier, the next, the thing that follows it is, you shall love the Lord, Adonai, Yahweh, singular, your God, Elohim, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. It is founded in love, and our relationship to with God is participation in that love, in its plurality, and its personhood, and individuality. There's the reason why that Trinitarian baptism statement that Jesus makes ends with, and behold, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. It is fundamentally about being together with them together, or him together. God is a community, so he's made people to live in community and has redeemed his church to be a community in the world. Christianity is not about sin management. It's not even, and again, my credentials are solid, it's not even about the forgiveness of sin. The, the triune God who loved us forgives our sin so that we can be with him. He wants us to enjoy the explosive love that each person of the Trinity shares with one another. The Father sends the Son, and the Son unleashes the Spirit, so we could participate in that love triangle and even be called into it as His sons and daughters. That's what we're talking about. 
And so then that unleashes into us and forms us as a community that then sends out and unleashes that love to not just our neighbors, but even our enemies, just like he did for us when we were his. God is before all things, Father, Son, and Spirit, not just creator, ruler, and even redeemer. Everything flows from their relationship, their dance, right into the communion we share together. Michael Reeves again. Clearly, the salvation of this God is even better than forgiveness and certainly more secure. Other gods and other religions grant forgiveness, but this God welcomes us into relationship with him, embraces us as his children, never to let us go. It's not that God does things. He's not a father as a part-time job. He is fundamentally father, son, and spirit. He doesn't kick up his feet at the end of the day and stop being father because he's worked all day as one. That is who he is. Same with the son. Same with the spirit. Our God is father, son, and spirit all the way down, all the way back up, all the way out to us, and all the way into the world. That's the fundamental reality of Christianity. The book that I would mention before, uh, Delighting in the, uh, in the Trinity, the subtitle is An Introduction to Christianity. Go ahead. You got 150 pages and he pulled it off. So here's what I want to do. The quintessential passage about the Trinity works just like the movies I was telling you about. There is no place that says the Trinity is... But here's the picture you see. It's when Jesus is getting baptized. And it's in all four Gospels. Think it might be important. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Baptized, comes back on the shore. And when he came up out of the water, immediately Jesus saw the heavens being torn open, it says, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. In fact, Luke says, like a dove in bodily form. Ooh, I'd love to see the cinematics on that. And then a voice comes from heaven. You are my beloved son, and I like you, in whom I am well pleased. And the beauty of the gospel and that Jesus would take that on for us, that symbol of being cleansed when he had no need to be cleansed, is that he gave us the right to come in so that those words are spoken over us because now we live within that triune reality. And so God can say, you are my beloved child, and I like you. Whatever happened in that scene, however we would picture it in our imaginations, Right there is God, as he chose to reveal to us as a mystery. But a mystery not to understand, but to embrace. And that is what we're invited to. That's why the top of our tree says, we participate in the life of the Trinity. Let's pray. Father, Son, Spirit, Help us to truly 
Trinitarian. To love and embrace you as you are, three in one. It's okay, Lord, it does blow our minds. But let it melt and fuel our hearts and hands to be community to one another as we participate in your life. And then go love our neighbors. We pray in your name. Amen.